0: sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota of a member of the Wells, preached on October 14, 2012, based on Genesis 2, verses 18 through 24. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit instructs our hearts here this morning is the first lesson you heard, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all, all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam... She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Marriage is under attack. And I'm not just talking about the growing push to recognize same-sex relationships as if they were marriage. Marriage is under attack. And just in our lifetime, in my lifetime even, we've seen that attack grow and increase. Satan knows what he's doing. Marriage is the beginning of family. And the family is the basic building block of society, and it's the nursery for bringing up the next generation to know our Lord Jesus in faith. When he chips away at marriage, he fractures family, destabilizing society and weakening the church. Now, God gave marriage as a wonderful gift. You just heard that. As recorded in Genesis chapter 2, God gave marriage as that wonderful gift. On that sixth day of creation, the Lord God formed a man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Unlike any of the animals, mankind was created in the image of God. Now, As you heard, also God brought the animals to Adam for him to name. And as he named them, he saw that each had its mate, male and female. And yet none of these would be a fitting companion for him. None of these could be a helpmeet, that is, a helper suitable to him, with whom he could carry out the Lord's command to be fruitful and multiplied. You see, God did not impose a wife on Adam but brought him to realize how perfectly she would fit into God's plan for him. And so later on, on that same day, the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of his ribs and fashioned a woman out of it. Adam recognized her as God's wonderful gift, a helper suitable for him, unlike any of the animals. This This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, Adam exclaims. And we are told, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. God's gift of marriage establishes a new family. Yes, this was God's design. But marriage is under attack. In what ways have you seen marriage attacked in our country? We already mentioned the attempt to legalize same-sex marriage as if it were a real marriage. God, though, clearly established marriage as one man and one woman, or as the cliche goes, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. But the heterosexuals have done more damage to marriage and the homosexuals. How many broken marriages scar the landscape of our country? And what is it that breaks a marriage? Adultery and malicious desertion certainly do. But how often aren't marriages broken because husband and wife decide they no longer love each other? or that they now have irreconcilable differences, or that now they each want to pursue their own dreams on their own, or with someone else besides their marriage partner. Yet, even though society seems to label marriage now as simply a temporary arrangement, that was not God's plan, was it? Many today do no longer see marriage as that lifelong union until death parts them. And yet, yet Jesus himself brings out how God established marriage to be that lifelong union of one man and one woman, doesn't he? Quoting those words from Genesis that you heard about a man leaving his father and mother and being united to his wife and and becoming one flesh, Jesus says, They are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. I heard that in the Gospel from Mark earlier today. God hates divorce because there is always sin involved in divorce, whether that is the sin of adultery or Melissa's desertion that break the marriage before the divorce is legalized or whether the divorce is the act of sin, breaking the marriage that is supposed to be lifelong. In any case, there is always sin involved. God hates divorce because it destroys the life union God intended. In fact, divorce has become so rampant that some decide not to get married At least not in the first place. Why not just live together as sexual partners? That's another attack against marriage. It's become so prevalent that some no longer really see it as all that bad. Maybe they even will promote it as a good idea to test things out because you don't want to end up in divorce someday, they say. Many may not even see it as all that wrong even though at one time it used to be called living in sin and still is sinful. Yes, when you think about it, how many children are being raised in single-parent homes not because of the death of the spouse but because God's gift of marriage has been despised either by divorce or or by sexual relations outside of marriage. You see, any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage is an attack against it. This is where the the selfish use of birth control has led many to think that sex is just another recreational activity. Yes, that sexual union is also a gift from God, and sometimes in the church we're accused of of, of saying sex is bad, period. No, sex, that sexual relationship is a wonderful gift from God, but his gift for a husband and wife to be used in marriage alone. He gives that gift to bless married couples with children and with a closeness and intimacy that transcends other human relationships. But this is God's gift. For marriage alone, the two will become one flesh. Sex is not a gift to be used just because you like someone. It's not a gift to be used on your own in any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage, whether premarital sex or adultery or whatever else, attacks marriage. Sex is God's gift for marriage alone, only between a husband and his wife. And this brings us to another rapidly growing attack against marriage, an attack we've seen increase just in our own uh, decade here, over the last decade or so. And that attack is pornography. You don't even have to suffer the embarrassment of, of buying a dirty magazine at the local store anymore. You can find it all over the Internet. Channeled right into the privacy of your own home, pornography betrays the intimacy of husband and wife. Whether you're married or unmarried, it perverts your whole expectation of what marriage and sexual intimacy is all about. It it makes you long for the impossible. It feeds the roaming eye. It's addictive, leading you to neglect the flesh and blood partner the Lord has given you or might give you one day in the future you're unmarried right now. Yes, pornography is wrong for the married person and for the unmarried person. Once hooked, it can be more difficult to break than even a drug or alcohol addiction. And even if it doesn't lead you to technically break your legal marriage vows, remember what Jesus said. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart, Matthew 5. Now, so far, we've been looking at, at, at a lot of things that I think we all would, uh, of course, acknowledge as, as attacks against marriage. Even if, at times, when we're caught up in some of them, we may try to deny it. Deep down inside, we know we know that they are attacking marriage. But what about what about the attacks that come from the inside? And what I mean here is is that even as we practice marriage. As a husband and wife, as a family, we can be guilty of attacking it as well. Notice how God gave specific roles for man and woman from the beginning here. The woman was created for man, to be a suitable helper. The man from whose body the woman was taken was to care for her and love her as his own body. As the loving head, he was to do what was best for his wife. And just look at what happens in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam fails to care for his wife's spiritual needs as she was tempted by Satan. When we, when we as husbands fail to love our wife as our own bodies, when we place our own pleasures before her, when we let an inconsiderate word or our own negligence harm her, when we neglect the physical or the spiritual well-being of the family, we have dishonored marriage, neglecting our God-given role as husband. But when you, as wives, do not trust your husband as a loving head, when you fail to be that helper whom God created you to be, when you resent your husband's role over you, you have dishonored marriage how much guilt there is to go around, how much guilt of dishonoring, attacking God's gift of marriage. And we haven't even mentioned how our words towards others can attack marriage. When we complain about our spouse or join in those jokes that belittle marriage, we lead others to think that marriage is a bad deal. Or how often have we failed to stand up and defend what God has said about marriage so that our silence Let's the unbelieving world define marriage as it sees fit. How much guilt we all share in failing to honor God's gift of marriage. So before we point out how some in our society are trying to redefine marriage, bring your own sins against marriage to your Heavenly Father. Confess them as the filth they are. It's so tempting for me to try to diminish my sin by saying, oh, I'll, at least at least I didn't go this far, however far this might be at the time. Confess your sin for the filth that it is. For no matter how filthy or grievous, you have a Savior who's greater. When we try to diminish our sinfulness, we just diminish the glorifying. We just diminish the glory of His work, don't Now, as you look at your Savior, Jesus Christ, watch those hands of His. The Father created all things through the Son, Jesus. See Jesus' hands forming the man out of the dust of the ground. See Him fashioning Eve out of Adam's rib. See Him uh, knitting you together in your mother's womb. And now see those hands. Pierced by nails for you, blood dripping down. God's Son, your Maker, died for you. He took away your sins, even your sins against marriage, no matter how grievous they may be. See the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, your sins and mine. He has taken you, dear Christian, He has taken you to be His bride. Even though we were spiritually adulterous, serving self as our God, whoring after all sorts of sins, Jesus has washed you clean in the water and word of baptism. He has dressed you in the wedding gown of his righteousness, pure and white. He presents you to the Father as his bride, blameless, beautifully adorned. Jesus is the groom. His church is his bride and you, dear Christian, are a member of that congregation, his holy Christian church. You are a member of it through faith in Jesus, you who adore him as your Savior. Why? Why would we go back to that life of spiritual adultery? Be faithful to your husband, your Lord Jesus Christ. Be devoted to him. To him who gave his life for you and now reigns over all as your risen Lord and Savior, honor, serve and obey him. For what joy is ours right now to live under him. Yes, what a joy it is for us to live under the undeserved favor, kindness and grace of our dear bridegroom, our husband, our Lord Jesus Christ. And what greater joy awaits us at the heavenly wedding banquet? What greater joy awaits there for you and me who remain faithful until the end? Come, come to the wedding feast. Now, until that day, how can we honor, serve, and obey our dear bridegroom, Jesus Christ? One way is to honor God's gift of marriage. And how do we do that? Consider our callings in life, the roles God has given you as Christian, as citizen, and as family member. As a Christian, honor God's gift of marriage by clinging to his word. Even as the world tries to dismiss the Bible as if it were outdated fables, cling to his word. For the Bible is God's word, God's truth, which does not change cling to his word to uphold marriage and to resist sinning against it. And if one of those sins against marriage has caught you and you cannot break from it, then come to me, your pastor, so that together we can find strength in your Savior's promise of forgiveness, which he speaks to your repentant heart through me in your Savior's promises. Find the power to honor marriage, for his promises bring you the courage to stand up for his truth about marriage, the determination to resist sinning against marriage, and the patience to endure, endure the world's insults as we follow our dear Bridegroom, Jesus Christ. What a miracle, yes, what a miracle of strength his promises work in us. So go to his word and sacraments, for they bring you his promises. That's how we honor marriage as Christians. Next, as a citizen, honor God's gift of marriage by speaking positively about the blessings of marriage, such as children and companionship. Don't go with the flow of society, rather, be salt and light. And when, as a citizen, you exercise your right to vote, let your choices at the ballot box seek to uphold God's principles. At times, choice may be fairly clear. At other times it may seem like we're picking between the lesser of two evils. Yet doing nothing is a choice as well, and often the least productive choice. The Lord has blessed us with privileges and rights as citizens of our country. Use them to glorify your God and to honor His gift of marriage. And finally, honor God's gift of marriage as you carry out The role God has given you in the family. The station he has placed you in. Are you a husband? Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love her as your own body. For the woman was taken out of man, fashioned from his rib. Are you a father? Bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Are you a wife? Submit to your husband as your head even as the church submits to Christ are you a child honor your father and mother and obey them in the Lord for as we faithfully live out God's plan for marriage it brings blessings not only to our own families but also to our society our country and our church others will see what God's gift of marriage is all about for our actions often speak much louder than our words. Yes, marriage is under attack and has been since the fall into sin, but you, dear Christian, you have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has taken you to be his bride. Remain faithful to him and honor God's gift of marriage. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.